Oh God, look at you slandering the poor man's name. You don't even know all the facts. It's true. It's what the films on trial is, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's very little knowledge and just a lot of slander. <laughs> was it? Was he the one who was like, "It's me or the Rock"? Was that him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he laid down an ultimatum to the uh, to the studio, which within a day he had withdrawn. <laughs> I imagine because his his agent sat him down and said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna be the rock do you know what i mean like, yeah. it's either they've, me they've chosen the rock it's the most bankable actor in hollywood at this moment or me terry skips the guy who's in christmas chronicles <laughs> was he he was, was did he play the boyfriend in christmas chronicles oh, i, I barely remember you watched both film. of those films that you've already forgotten yeah try, yeah well done congratulations to <laughs> <Jamie>. me <laughs> yeah Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And this week we continue our blockbuster season as we aim to put a blockbuster film on trial from each decade from the 1990s to the 2020s. This week we leave behind the noughties and we step into the 2010s. A dreamy time when the UK was still part of the EU and Donald Trump was just the host of a reality TV show. And the Fast and the Furious franchise hadn't yet jumped the shark. And by shark, I mean the space shuttle. Space. <laughs> <laughs> which brings us to today's trial, which is Fast and Furious 7. Is it horsepower or is it flogging a dead horse? <laughs> essentially will this film be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list let's find out but before we do let's talk about our last trial which was the 2003 fantasy adventure epic the lord of the rings the return of the king now i judged that trial and i deemed that it should be placed on the hit list and i've since gone away and watched the film so did i make the right call yes or no well in short no no, no, I did not. As I mentioned in the trial, I watched the second film 20 odd times because I worked in the cinema when it came out. And I vowed that I would never watch the third one. And, you know, I thought that I'd watched that film so many times it was burnt into my memory and I knew every single line and I knew every single car- uh, character. But obviously that was all bollocks because I started watching the film and I was like, what's going on? Who are these people? <laughs> anyway, The whole film was just way, way too long. It was like about three and a half hours. It was punishing on my arse, my bladder, and my patience. And it just would not fucking end. It just (laughs) went on and on and on. I felt like Dustin Hoffman at the end of the marathon, man. It's just absolutely torturous. And when you think it's finally over and you're going for a little jog around the park, this fucking van just pulls up and throws you back in and then you've got to endure another ending. You could have easily shaved an hour off that film and it would have had minimal impact. I'm sorry, I, I've got to talk about this, but it just took itself way too seriously. There's a point when Aragon, as you mentioned, enlists the help of an army of dead soldiers and there's just no no hint of how ridiculous that sounds or looks. This question is to Dave. Why didn't he enlist them earlier? You know, or why didn't he keep them for the final battle? And 
where the fuck did those big eagles come from at the end? And why didn't they just use them all along? You know, and what happened to Saruman? What, why did he die off screen? Why did he see these, Sauron? These I mean, are all points that the prosecution raised, by the way, which you, as the judge <laughs> and the hosts of this format, ignored. So I think, really I think a lot of your problems with the story, though, kind of stem from the book. And it's kind of hard to lay them at the film's uh, doorstep. You know, it's yeah. it's a faithful adaptation of the book. And, you know, if you want to put the book on trial, that's a different matter entirely. And I'd have some different uh, opinions on it. But as far as the film goes, it adapted it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. And, and the thing is, is that this film isn't for me. It's not my type of film. And I can appreciate that a very large number of people would absolutely love this film. But I, I think I, you're I, offended a lot of people when you use the name Aragon. Yeah, that was the yeah, I, I cringed at that. Aragorn. <laughs> oh, how embarrassing. <laughs> you see, how the fact I that you don't get how embarrassing that is, Gav, shows that the Lord of the Rings is off for you. Do you, know, do you know what else I really loved? Is that part where Denethor like, sets himself on fire. <laughs> and then like a couple of scenes later, you see him like legging it through the village. And he goes and jumps off a cliff and I'm <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> where did he come from? I've got and to then, admit, that's not in the book. They made that way more cinematic for the film. Oh my God, it was so hilarious. And apparently uh, Peter Jackson said in the, in the DVD commentary that he didn't think about that until after he did the editing and he realised that the point where he jumped off the cliff from the point where he burns himself is actually a mile long. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the thought of him running on fire. He, he was wearing a very heavy fur coat, if you remember, so it probably took a while to put him through. Also, I did, you know that thing about the eagles? I did want to bring that up with someone who was a huge fan, huge, huge fan of Lord of the Rings, and he did spend half an hour explaining. There is apparently reasons why the eagles couldn't, you know, just basically do the whole thing, but... So if you're talking to a Lord of the Rings fan, Gav, don't, don't trust me, okay. don't bring that up. They will. You know what I mean? You, you, people can talk about that for a very long time. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been in many conversations with Lords of the Rings fans and I never tell them that I don't like the films <laughs> because I don't, I can't do with the hassle, to be honest. So I just nod quietly and go, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and I will continue to do so. But if any listeners out there want to write to us and tell me why I'm so wrong and tell, explain to us why the Eagles wouldn't have worked, then please do so. Anyway, on to the trial itself. All half the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. And I've got this week's insults from fastandfurious.com slash fastfandom. So acting as defense and trying to put this film on the hit list is Alex. And Alex is just like Dominic Toretto, as played by Vin Diesel. He holds his friends and family above all else. And he's bald. And his wife finds him very, very attractive. <laughs> to an unnerving degree, some might say. That is, that, that, that is true. It, it was upsetting. Yeah. Even compared to Kurt Russell, for God's sake. No, no, we were watching it and I was like, who's the best looking? Because obviously I was saying to her, like, you, you know, you find bald men attractive. So who's the best looking bald man? And she said Vin Diesel, which now makes me really question her taste in men, which is quite worrying. <laughs> yeah, over the Rock or Jason Statham. I know, uh, yeah. I know. And joining Alex will be Ozzy. And Ozzy is just like Paul Walker's character, Brian O'Connor, a thrill seeker at heart, often taking risks that don't pay off. He walks the line between law and criminal activity, and he's a highly effective street racer. It's almost, I mean, it's almost uncanny how I like that sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know about effective, maybe reckless, uh, but yeah. 
And acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on their shit list is me. And I'm just like Roman Pierce, as played by Tyrese Gibson. Impulsive, he often lets his ego get the better of him, and he has the need to be the center of attention. He is also often picked upon by his friends with his physical features being somewhat exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah. yeah, is that, is that for you, Gav? Is that? <laughs> and uh, joining me in prosecution will be Joel, and Joel is just like Dwayne Johnson's character, Luke Hobbs, a loving father who is often condescending to his opponents, but often <laughs> has the skill and ability to back up his disparaging commentary. Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think. Now, in the role of judge who has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him, is Dave. And Dave is just like Deckard Shaw, as played by Jason Statham. He can often be a dirty fighter, and he is unable to let his grudges go. <laughs> I was expecting that to go down a much worse alley, to be honest with you. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I have to say, when I was getting those character descriptions, I read the abilities for Dominic Toretto, and they have 100% been written by Vin Diesel himself. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, peak human condition, peak human durability, peak human speed. It was just like, it was like we read the list of Superman's powers, but the extra context was like, yeah, he's really fast, much faster than The Rock. Yeah, he's really smart, <laughs> strong, much stronger than Jason Statham. <laughs> anyway, uh, before we get started, I think that we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. And it has landed on me. Oopsie daisy. It's landed on, well, I suppose it's landed between me and Alex. Uh, but what I was going to suggest is that we all read off the synopsis in turn doing our best impressions of Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto. I can do it. I mean, it's not... Or or you just do your Vin Diesel. (laughs) Yeah, you do your Vin Diesel. (laughs) I I don't know if I have a Vin Diesel, to be honest. Um, Neither do the rest of us. That's why it's landed on you. (laughs) I'd be happy if you did The Rock. That wouldn't be a problem. Uh, I can't can't do The Rock either. You can Uh, do it as as The Rock in his wrestling days, if you want. I know you've got one of them. I, 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 I don't, I don't. Which one do you want, The Rock in his wrestling days or, or Vin Diesel? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Okay, right, here we go. Wow. Oh. Wow! <laughs> yeah, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's pretty... uh, it, it, like it, I suppose Vin Diesel does sound like a melting Robert De Niro. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, without further hesitation, Dave, would you like to please kick off proceeding? Yep, can do. Okay, so I have seen Furious Seven before. I went through a large part of my life never watching any Fast and the Furious films, and I was I recall being happy to be honest. With you. <laughs> and then, <laughs> come on, Dave, think harder. And then the pandemic came along and I noticed they're all on now TV. So I basically watched, I think it was, I think it was eight 
Fast and uh, Furious did, films did at that you point. Do them in order. Yep. Start from uh, the beginning. Watch them that's all where in you, order. That's Shit. where you. That's where you failed. To and I watched them in the space of like two weeks as well. Ooh, we're on the back so, foot here, Ozzy. They, <laughs> they all kind of merged together to form one yeah. kind of mega film. Apart from apart from Tokyo Drift, because it has and, none of the main characters in, and just that, and, that a mega film. I think you want to hold on to that mega, mega film. I mean, in terms of volume, not in terms of like quality. <laughs> quality. I think, I think you meant in terms of quality, Dave. Well, we'll see. We'll see. So, it, long story short, I thought I've seen Fast uh, Furious Seven or Fast and Furious Seven. Um, I actually don't quite remember what happened in it, insofar as what happened in six, what happened in eight, even what happened in two or four. You know, it, it was it was a long pandemic for all of us. So, omit no details and give me your thoughts and all your plot points on it, and I'll kick off with Alex. Take it away. Okay, so I'll, I'll just do a roundup because, yeah, I, to be honest, I've not watched all of the Fast and Furious films. I do love the Fast and Furious films, but very specifically from Fast and Furious 5 to Could 8. you start I, from number one? I just need a recap of the... <laughs> from, <laughs> all, all about, you know, like 24 hours of film. Scene <laughs> opens, Paul Walker sits us out <laughs> There's a car. It's fast. Uh, no, so I'm just going to go with the end of the last film, which was where uh, Shaw, uh, played by Luke Evans, um, is being basically he's the bad guy. At the end of it, they've taken him down and they've earned pardons. So they can now return back to America and the gang's being repatriated, basically. So that's the end of the last film. What happens, though, follows on very well from that is that Shaw's ex-brother, who is ex-military, has gone rogue and he comes back to get revenge basically they've put Shaw away you know they've they've they, not killed him but they've you know they've they've messed him up and he's back to get revenge basically there's a lot of other little plot points like the relationship between Dom and Letty which you could go into detail on but really you know it's not a film that's particularly you're not watching Fast and Furious to find out what's happened particularly with these characters that's more the sprinkling that keeps the scenes going in between them do you know what I mean the little bits in between them but that's the basic plot you know set up you've got Jason Statham coming back to wreak revenge on the team that destroyed his brother. What he does is he kills Han, which was a beloved character that happens at the end of the film, Han from Tokyo Drift, and he explodes Dom's house, basically. So, you know, he's after them. He's obviously shown his chops. He's very good. He gets straight in and beats up The Rock, which, you know, shows that this guy is not someone to be messed with. Great action scene there. Really, really good. And, you know, Away we go. Uh, Dominic Toretto's not very happy with Shaw. Do you know what I mean? He's after him. And, you know, the, the action sort of ki um, kicks off. What he does is to get back at Shaw is he gets his team together. I mean, that's what a Fast and Furious film is always going to end up. There's always going to be a bit where someone says, let's get the team together. Team comes back together and they sort of decide to pursue him. We also get da -da -da -da, Kurt Russell comes into this as a secret agent. I know and puts them onto this thing called God's Eye, which, you know, if I'm honest, is just a bit of a MacGuffin to push the flop, 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 plot forward. Then there's another team that comes in with Jaimon Huntsu comes in as well. So he's after the God's Eye. Shaw's after the God's Eye. The team are after the God's Eye. Everyone's going after this. They're trying to get it because it's basically this facial recognition technology that everyone can use. They can use it to find Shaw. Shaw can, you know, use it to sell to the highest bidder. Jaimon Honsu is after it, to, you know, for nefarious reasons. And this sort of all thing comes together. And basically they go through lots of different, um, you know, set pieces in the mountains where, you know, you have planes that fall out of aeroplanes and parachute down to attack a convoy. 
You have the skyscrapers of Abu Dhabi with cars crashing in between the buildings. And then finally, back to a confrontation in LA where, you know, surprise, surprise, the good guys win. So just an action-packed, fun film that just keeps you going all the way through. You know, there's a story there, but really it's just get linking you from A to B. But it's enough that, you know, it's not getting in its own way. And also, very sadly, before this film had uh, completely wrapped filming, um, Paul Walker, one of the main uh, actors in the franchise, also tragically died in a car crash. So there's also right at the end of the film, there's sort of a, a send off for Paul Walker. And that's that sort of uh, part of the film. It's fantastic action, Dave. The scripts, you know, sort of there when, it, when you need it to be. It's not, you know, this isn't Shakespeare. It's not trying to go for these big things, but it does its job. It's got some great lines from The Rock. Fantastic cast, especially when you look at an action cast. Vin Diesel, The Rock, Jason Statham. Then you've got some, you know, you've got people like Jaimon Honsu in there as well. You've got Michelle Rodriguez. You've got the whole cast of the people you love from the Fast and Furious franchise. So if you wanted to buy a ticket to a Fast and Furious film and you went to see this, you're getting every single thing you wanted. And then on top of that, you're getting cars crashing through the three skyscrapers of Abu Dhabi. Really, what more do you want? You're going to come out of that feeling, yes, I, that was what I bought my cinema ticket for and I got my money's worth. Yeah, very much. I mean, part of me feels like after that, I just want to sit in a dark room and lie down for a bit. But it, just, it, does, sound, <laughs> it does sound exhilarating. It sounds like there's a lot going on. I mean, at the end of the day, like Alex says, you don't watch the Fast and the Furious films for some like witty dialogue or some like really intricate plot twists. It's pretty simple fare, but it's it's mass appeal. You know, this, this does have a market after all. Gav, uh, any combat points you want to make uh, against Alex there? Yeah, I don't think it's a good film at all, to be honest, Steve. And it's not just not a good film, but it's also not even a good Fast and the Furious film. The story is very weak. Alex touched upon it before, but the majority of it is centered on this magical tech MacGuffin. And then the rest of the story is featuring lame-ass bravado bullshit and tired tropes like amnesia. There are also multiple plot holes throughout the film. For example, at the beginning, Luke Hobbs is attacked in London and taken to a hospital in London to recover, only at the end of the film being able to have a view of LA from his hospital window. The dialogue is very poor with too much time focused on exposition and not enough time spent on anything of real substance. The action that Alex was talking to you about before is completely ridiculous and over the top, but not, but in a way that distances the audience because there are no real consequences or peril ever experienced. It just is too unbelievable. And the more grounded action sequences, like the multiple one-on-one fist fights in the film, suffer from the usual mid-noughties, shaky hand cam and multiple cuts. So you can't really appreciate them either. Also, just a side point, what is the point in casting Tony Jaa, one of the best martial artists probably of all time, and then limiting him to a couple of generic fight scenes, not even being like the main baddie or even the main henchman, and and one of those fight scenes being on a bus with very little room to manoeuvre? The direction is anonymous with none of the flair or uniqueness that we've seen from James Wan, as I imagine he had been hamstrung into making just another generic action film by the producers of the series. The characters are very poorly written, with little of them experiencing any growth or any development in any way. With poor characters and outrageous action, the film then suffers from a lack of humour and thrills that other films in the series had featured. The music is just a series of needle drops and feels like it's been arranged by a high school party DJ. 
And like in my opinion, this film suffered from the writing because it was rushed out initially on the back of Fast and the Furious 6. The intention was it was going to be filmed back to back. That's why Justin Lin didn't return as director because there wasn't enough time for him to finish the editing on the sixth film and start work on the seventh film. So it was rushed into the production and then production had to stop halfway through after Alex said because of the tragedy of Paul Walker losing his life. Now, in my opinion, the only reason that this film was financially successful as it was, or remembered as fondly as it is, and I don't mean to be callous here, but it is due to the homage that is paid to the late Paul Walker, who, as I just said, tragically passed halfway through production. Admittedly, this is the only thing that the film does right by giving the character and the actor a really good send-off. But this, I believe, clouds people's judgment of what, in reality, is quite a poor film. You callous bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Gav. Um, just a quick question as well, actually, for Alex as well. The question I've got to ask you before. If, if you love the Fast and the Furious films so much, why haven't you seen them all? Oh, because I <laughs> I don't love the story. I don't care about the story, like, at all. Do you know what I mean? The Alex Fast loves family. <laughs> I do. I love it. I, I watched the Fast and Furious 5 because The Rock was in it because I heard those were the best ones. And I heard that the other ones weren't as good. So, I mean, and I, I remember vaguely, I think they were on when I was around people's houses at sleepovers and stuff. And I just remember them being not particularly interesting. So I've not really, I, I'm not watching it to get into the backstory. I'm not interested in what happened before at all, to be honest. So a quick thing on some of the things Gav said, I just think to say that the action in this film is bad, it's just not true. The action's outstanding. And like I say, there's really innovative, big things that come out that just are going to blow audiences away, especially the first time we've seen. Tony Jaa, it's just great to have him in. You know, it's an overstuffed action cast. I think Tony Jaa was just a nice little thing for people who love martial arts films. And, you know, he does it. It's, his scenes are brilliant, especially in the in the car. It's absolutely, in the truck, it's absolutely fantastic. I don't think limiting Tony Jaa stops him at all. And as for it being poorly written in the music, that, that just adds to its appeal. That's what the audience prefer. A poorly written film. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> like, almost genuine. I don't think they want, I don't think an overwritten Fast and the Furious film, I think that would detract from what you were watching. If it was. I don't, I'm not saying it's poorly written. I'm just saying it's not got good writing in it. And I don't, I think, <laughs> and I think, and I genuinely think that's a, an artistic choice. I'm going to cut you off there. I'm going to do you a favour and cut you off there and go to Ozzy. Ozzy, pick up where Alex has left or, or backpack. Back, back. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit because I think that Fast and Furious 7 in particular, like I, I, I watched the early ones and they were written in a way that was there just to, that was for like car lovers. Yeah, that was the whole point of that. That was boy lad culture lads cars you know think cars that look like spaceships massive exhausts bragging it around the streets you know and that's what fast and furious one through until tokyo drift at some point the cars stop giving you that you know you've written the same film five times mm -hmm. you get to this one and and they've they've had to take a change you know six led them to a to a position where cars are almost a bit boring now so they're they're still involved because that's synonymous, but they're boring now. And you, you've, I think what you've got is a fairly knowing script. You know, that's where, where what Alex is getting at is that it's not well written because it's not fucking Shakespeare. 
They know what they're trying to get at. This is just a it's a it's a vehicle to promote action scenes, you know, and to have bravado and just surrealism in in some ways. You know, it's just a way for you to watch and go, "Fuck, that's that's mad, isn't it? That's impressive." And I think it's witty in that regard. You know, there's a lot of detail in there. It's a proper blockbuster. In, in that regard, I think it's that it doesn't take itself seriously. And they rewrote the ending to give it a proper send-off, not a not a sad, like, let's have a cry because Paul Walker's dead. No, it's a real celebration that this guy's been involved in what they've created. You know, we've created this massive franchise. And I think it gives you that, you know, I think it's massive. It's 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 a great film to watch. In terms of the other seven, I think, you know, the other six, sorry, I think that we're they've just upped the ante you know you've you've gone to like places like the, they, we've now got Abu Dhabi we've got London they have to make it a spectacle and that's what you're watching it's a real visual spectacle and um and I think it's funny and like you've got the rock being the rock you know there's a great scene so he's in the um he's in the hospital and it, I think the line's something something like daddy's got to work and he like flexes his his arms and like just pops the cast off do you know what i mean it's just outrageous but it's fucking brilliant it's like it's proper it's just so over the top and just it knows what it is and it and it's just great easy watch from that regard it is all action hits home as you know there's a reason why i say the rock is is probably the best actor of the last 30 years and uh, <laughs> and and this 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 is one of the uh, this is one of his greatest shows. Okay, quick quick follow up question: When the Rock says "Daddy's got to work," is he addressing his daughter, or is this taking a creepy turn? <laughs> hey, he he is addressing his daughter, but it's, <laughs> but you know she she may as well not be there. It's, uh, so. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said that same line to himself when she was there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, as he's alluded there to how poorly the characters are written, that she may as well not be there. <laughs> she lacks so much substance. Okay, thank you very much, Joel. I want to get your thoughts on this. You you like action films, you know? You you like explosions. I mean, I don't know if you know if you do. Gav just says you like explosions so many times. <laughs> I just believe it to be true. It might not even be the case. Enough times it does become true, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Joel oh. sits at home with his art house films, and he's just. <laughs> and Joel, Joel's favorite every film is Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Just... I don't know why you. Yeah. <laughs> he sheds a little tear <laughs> <laughs> that, that we've we've misunderstood him. <laughs> it's Glenn Gary versus Glenn Ross. <laughs> <laughs> but Joel, I want to get your thoughts. On this uh and come back on on alex and austin's points yeah so the action while fun to watch i'm not going to deny that it is fun to watch because it is it, it's too ridiculous and austin says it, this film knows what it is and it doesn't take itself too seriously and i completely disagree with that i think it takes itself very seriously and i think finn diesel thinks in his own mind that these stunts are possible and believable um you know there's there's certain bits in fast and furious where you watch it and it's like that moment where you kind of you know you laugh but you're laughing because it's so ridiculous and it's so stupid because of a multitude of reasons when you watch an action film you do have to suspend your disbelief like you know a bit but i think the best action films have it where you could think that it's at least believable like even Die Hard, you know, there's there's those YouTube videos where they say like, you know, if he'd been in this explosion, his head would have caved in or something. But when you watch it, you don't think to yourself, oh, his head would have caved in there because it, it's slightly believable. But here there's multiple, multiple instances 
like uh, Alex spoke about a, a scene where cars they drive from one skyscraper to another and rather than just like plummet into the depths obviously they do like this 200 foot flying car routine and it and it kind of goes through into the other skyscraper and it it, it goes too far into the realms of this should be a superhero film like Don should be a superhero like they should give him powers or they should you know make it so that he's like superhuman kind of as they did with Hobbs and Shaw when they gave um, Idris Elba like a super arm or whatever it was um, that's what they should have done because it, it strays far too far into the realms of disbelief and it takes itself far too seriously while doing so. Like there's multiple videos on YouTube. I think I may have even linked some in our in our little chats before where they're animated and they show what would actually happen if you did these kind of stunts in real life. For example, when the cars come out the aeroplane, they would just hit the ocean and sink to the bottom of the floor and, you know, the, the entire cast would be dead. And one of my favorite scenes, not just in Fast and Furious, in, in any in any film, is in this film where Dom like fires his car into like the, the side of the dual carriageway. And kind of the 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 person who was trying to save like hits the windscreen of the other car and he saves them. But there's so much wrong with it. Like the person that he saves when they hit the windscreen, obviously they would just explode. I'm fine, that doesn't have to happen. But they get up without any injuries at least just like send them to the hospital say like oh you did well there Don but you know they've broken all the bones in the body they'll be in hospital for a while but they get they they don't even go to hospital and then I was thinking about it even more the level of like genius in Don's head to calculate the actual physics in order to like catch the person at that exact time the speed that they're going as well it's like 100 and I don't know, 120 130 miles an hour the speed of thought and able to do all these things it's it, it verges on superhuman. So while, as I said, the action sequences are fun to watch and the the choreography isn't too bad, I would say that it, it's it's to its downfall in the end because it does take itself very very seriously. And I think Vin Diesel is absolutely made up with these action films, and I think that's part of why it's so funny because. <laughs> In his own mind, yeah. this is what he thinks he can do with a car, and it's just complete bollocks. And, and I think part of the reason why these films have got gradually worse is that nobody said to him, you know, come on, Vin, uh, enough's enough now. Uh, but they haven't, and that's why we've ended up in space. That's why, you know, each each film is getting more and more ridiculous because nobody's saying to him, this is absolute bollocks now, come on, let, let, <laughs> let, 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 let's curb it. But he obviously doesn't have that, so yeah, I think um, bollocks is what what I would uh, <laughs> respond to with that. No, thank. Well, no, I I would disagree because I I do think the franchise has gone down, and it went down with the uh, Fast and Furious Nine. I think it was the last one, and I haven't seen. I don't want to watch the tenth one. You know what I mean? I think I've I've got my nice little chunk in the middle of the Fast and Furious franchise, and I'm quite happy there. And I just keep rewatching them. I think what happened is it's not that the action the action just went absurd, but because they got in on their own joke. And there's something nice about the Fast and Furious, because I kind of agree with what Joel's saying when he says that Vin Diesel does possibly think that he can pull off some of these insane physics stunts. But that is funny. And it is funny because the film takes itself just the right amount of seriously. So it it doesn't just think, oh, this is completely absurdist stuff. There is part of you that's thinking, yeah, I think I think he thinks he could possibly do this. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of part of the enjoyment of you watching it because it's so absurd. What's happened is they've realised that it's absurdist and now they're in space in cars. 
and it's not funny anymore because now they're in on their own joke and I, and and, I, and it's just like that's not great at all what's great about these films is it just keeps the level around about on it it's totally absurd but when you watch those videos i remember joel sharing that video of what would happen in real life and it's hilarious you know like you know they they fall out of a out of a plane and parachutes come out and just, you know, the idea that, that you know, they just plummet like a dart and like, <laughs> they just crumple into like, you know, into a small like, you know, paper ball. Uh, so you are laughing a little bit at it. But I also think the film leans into that. It knows what it's doing. And it's quite, I think, quite a clever way of doing things. I think the idea, what I like about the action, and it is believable enough, I think, is that it does play around with physics. So you are thinking... You know, would that car do that if it was flying through? Would that work? You know, it's just a moment of like, no, that's that's nuts. That's not. But it's just it plays around with the physics of the real world. And what's nice about that is it makes it absurdist. So you don't see very few times you do you see people getting shot up or people dying, particularly in the Fast and Furious films. It's quite a nice action film from that point of view. It's not overly gory at all. And you don't really mind when people do get shot or something like that, because often often their face, their shadows, their silhouettes, you don't really see them. And because the action is so absurd, it doesn't it feels like it feels unreal enough that you're not thinking, oh, God, that's terrible. Dom's just, you know, you know, fly, thrown that through a plate glass build, build, building. Everyone in the bank must be dead now. Do you know what I mean? There's not like sneers of blood over these <laughs> cars as it goes crashing through these buildings. No one gets hurt. It's absurd. Of course, you know what I mean? He'd crash into people and like 50 people would die. You know, the, the, the body count in this film, if it was real, would be gigantic. But because it's absurd, that's what makes the film. And the film leans into it. It does know at this point in the franchise, it does know what it's doing. It then lost it later on. Hey, thank you very much. Guess you don't need reality if you got family. Um, <laughs> Gav, I see your hand is raised. You got something to add? I would disagree. I think that the the series was on its way. It was boiling. You know, it was it was off the boil at this point, and it does take itself too seriously. The action is ridiculous, and I would argue with Alex and say that it is completely. It's it's unengaging for an audience to watch because there are this suspension of the disbelief, and then there's just being ridiculous. When the first movies came out, they were high octane thrills. We had these big action set pieces which were over the top, but they were more grounded in reality. As the franchise goes on, the films keep trying to top the previous entry with the action sprawling so, just so widely out of control. The action now is just so unrealistic and unbelievable that you may as well be watching a cartoon. There are never any consequences or any repercussions, so you're not as invested. Characters are constantly jumping out of cars, going at 90 miles per hour, and then just brushing it off. People are being hit full force with lead pipes, barely reacting. There's a scene in which Dom and Shaw drive at each other 90 miles per hour, playing chicken. Actually, there's two scenes where they do this and crash head on with each other. And then they just get out like nothing happened. There's one scene where Don rescues Ramsey, this technician who, who created the God's Eye project, essentially. And they're on a cliff edge. They've been surrounded by armored trucks. You're like, what's going to happen here? How is he going to escape from this? And he literally drives off the cliff to a 200 foot drop. It smashes every fucking rock on the way down and it lands in this 
crumpled mess and he just gets out the the the, the worst thing he suffers is he's got a little bit of a crick in his neck that's it you have this <laughs> just <that's> completely <laughs> unrealistic shit over and over and over and over again and you never feel any tension or peril because you know that the characters are always going to be fine so why bother being invested and you know, as Alex was saying before, that extends outside of the Toretto family as their dangerous exploits essentially ends with cities being destroyed and probable death tolls in the hundreds. But we're <laughs> never shown any consequences. It's like, why bother getting invested in any of this action? Because it's just not real. Ozzy, go for it. We all know that that's, that's a massive trope of action films. That's the whole point. There are these jump out of a car is slow motion like scenes and that's what's that's what's brilliant about it is that somebody has had to dream this this mad shit up and i think that's so incredible they've gone how to we up what we did last time around and then they create it and they do it and i think that's just really impressive that they've managed to do it in a way that's not that it's not believable because it isn't believable but they've done it just enough to be this is fucking great, isn't it, guys? And then they've put it on there and that's it. And then they've pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And yeah, and Gav says, you know, it's off the boil. Yeah, it's at the simmer. This is the plateau, mate. This is them sorting that pasta right out. There, we're getting to the al dente stage, uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious 7. And, and I really do disagree with with this, this idea that you have to have all of the peril and the the jeopardy in a film such as this this is i really do think this is impressive the way they've done it you know without the physics of fast and furious we wouldn't have had such great rock films such as skyscraper you know he learned how to jump between buildings like this <laughs> so he, he managed to defy gravity to get to to do that sort of crane jump that he does in skyscraper they've really upped the game with fast and furious seven you know we brought we brought jason, jason statham in who adds this new element of cool you know, he sort of counters the Vin Diesel oddness, you know, by this point, there was the thing that Vin Diesel and Rock and, you know, and there was a bit of a animosity and, and that was taking some of the, um, some of the shine from the characters, you know, is that, you know, there was almost a, a one-upmanship going on and then they brought in Jason Statham, who's just in this, you know, he's, he's actually way, he's a way cooler character and just adds a new dimension to it. You know, he's essentially an assassin, just this solid rock hard man you know and i think it's just it's everything that you need from like a macho stupid lads film you know and it's a lads film like I, I don't know many many women who would who not necessarily don't enjoy this i think people can enjoy this for what it is because it is just a crazy action film but they know who they're aiming it for it's it's written for it's a it's a lads mag franchise you know and it's uh but at this stage it's becoming you know multi-million pound franchise and they really do know what they're doing with it the the action is just it's out of this world you know there's a lot of money spent on it and you can tell it's it's polished it's good gav talked about this drop the needle type music but it works with it it's it's fast paced it's it is you know a bit erratic and um there's a lot of really clever directorial decisions made with this film even if it's not something it's not art house not in the slightest you know it's it's just it's just mad blockbuster, you know, in your face action. Okay. Thank you very much. And Joel, I'll give you a chance to come back on any of those points. It's not art house. The hell is it then? It's, it's mad blockbuster fed. Would you agree? Um, I, th- I think I'd just stick to what I say. Like it, it, it goes far too far beyond the realms of believability, even for a ridiculous action film. And I just also echo what Gav said, like when there's no kind of threat 
to any of the characters, you do lose interest a little bit because you know the the action scenes are then essentially pointless because you know that everything's going to work out well if you're surrounded by you know a bunch of armored cars with no way out and you can just drive backwards off a cliff 200 foot and just roll back out the car then you know what what, what's the point we may as well just pack up and go home now so yeah i would i would say (laughs) it 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 just goes too far uh and alex did you want to make a quick point Ride or die. <laughs> looks, like, looks like you made your choice. Die? Is that what you said? Yes. <laughs> that was a threat. Okay, so has anyone got any final points they want to make? Uh, I think, Gav, did you say something about cast or characters? Ozzy, do you want to go first? Yeah, let me go. The 1.5 billion points that I'd like to make. That's 1.5 billion US dollars. <laughs> Cannot be wrong. You know, this is one of the greatest... How much uh, the Suicide Squad make again? Yeah, that was, it was about uh, 700 million at least. So, I mean, <laughs> Avatar 2 was a pile of fucking shite, and that's up there, probably the third most uh, popular film of all time. So, I wipe my ass with those figures, mate. <laughs> wow. Wow. You'd, you'd wipe your ass with 1.5 billion dollars. I mean, even you, Gav, even you would struggle to create that much. That you would need that much to. Oh, to your wipe. skin would just be gone. Be <laughs> a big green ass. <laughs> Before we get on the Gav's green ass, anyone else got any points you want to make? Gav, you said something about characters. Yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> The, the cast, I'm just going to say it now, most of the acting in this film is poor. And even those actors who do put in a shift when they appear on screen, like Kate Russell and Jaimon. Oh, Hussu, yeah. He was going to get mentioned, wasn't he? And The Rock. And The Rock. All of their energy and their performance is sucked out by the complete charisma vacuum that is Vin Diesel. Now, I don't want to <laughs> shit on Vin Diesel too badly here because I genuinely don't think he's a bad actor. But I think he's turned this character into an unemotive, unresponsive, unengaging action stereotype that now he's just incapable of playing anything else in any other role. He's barely audible throughout this. He just growls and mumbles most of his dialogue, something, something about family, something, something about Brian, whatever. And he's he's got an inability of expressing any type of emotion, which really hinders the more emotional scenes. For example, Brian and Brian's exit. And there's just no getting away from it either because he's in 90% of all of the scenes. Now, uh, I find this hilarious, by the way, because there's there's a rumoured reason why Dwayne Johnson left the franchise was because he was approached by Vin Diesel as his capacity as a producer. (laughs) And he took The Rock to one side and offered him some acting tips, (laughs) 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 which is almost like Brooklyn Beckham offering footballing advice to Messi. (laughs) But with regards to characters, there's just too many characters there's not enough time to spend on character arcs, growth, development. I, I, I talked before about how poorly the characters are written, but there's there's barely any time devoted for their growth. Some of the character plots are just abandoned mid-film. Letty at the beginning of the film is suffering from an amnesia and PTSD from being exploded in a car in the fourth film. And Dom's solution to this is to enroll her. That traumatise you, to be fair, man. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it would. But his solution is to enroll her as a driver in something called 
race wars, <laughs> which is unintentionally hilarious because she races against rapper Iggy Azalea, who a couple of years later was embroiled in a real life racism scandal. Um, but, but that just gets abandoned later on until it's needed in the last 10 minutes. Uh, also, it's no coincidence that the Fast and Furious films improved massively, as Alex said, with the addition of Dwayne Johnson. Initially, he was unable to take part in the film because it was being filmed back to back with the sixth one and he had prior filming commitments to Hercules. So when production to this was delayed, he was brought back in. I don't know whether they'd already filmed a lot of it. I don't know what happened. But basically, they write him out of the film very early on and he spends the majority of it off screen in a hospital bed. Why would you remove one of the best elements of your film for me? And I highlighted the unbelievability of the action scenes and how that also related to the characters. I'm not going to waste your time going over about the action scenes again, but with the outrageous action having no consequences to it, it makes us less attached to the characters themselves. It makes us care less about what happens to them because we know there are no stakes and they're essentially invulnerable. When The Rock falls 10 stories out of a window onto a car roof and in the next scene he's fine in a hospital bed, you know why are we invested the car's, <laughs> more, the car's more destroyed than the rock <laughs> no, the, the car has a huge dent in it the rock's just asleep <laughs> like, at the end of the film bearing in mind I already told her that Dom had fallen 200 foot off a cliff he crashes his car off a 10 story collapsing car park at the end and he is unresponsive to CPR Essentially, his heart has stopped working. We know 100%, with 100% certainty, that he is going to survive. And for the added slap in the face of the audience, it's the power of Letty's love that brings him back to life. You know, even when the cast do somehow die, like Letty in number four or Han in this one, it's inconsequential because they'll just be brought back to life in a film or two films' time. So why should we root for them or care for these characters? It's like the cinematic equivalent of watching Wile E. Coyote get smashed with an anvil time and time again. And finally, just touching upon Deckard Shaw that Ozzy mentioned before, it's just a complete one-note antagonist. This is a character who is reduced to 17 lines of dialogue. His character motivation is just revenge, but there's no nuance, no development, no personality, no characteristics. He's just a poor man's terminator. And similarly to the good guys, there's no peril here. There's no doubt that the heroes are going to win. And when the series starts bringing back villains as heroes, which it does, what's the point in rooting against the villains? Because you just know in a film or two films time, you're going to be cheering them on. So, yeah, all in all, it's bullshit. (laughs) Uh, Alex, any counterpoints? Yeah, just, you know, Gav says it doesn't spend enough time on characterization and character arcs. And I just say, thank God, because I didn't put it on to watch character arcs or characterization. I've watched, you know, you've just watched many, maybe you've watched too many art house films. You've watched some really interesting films and you just need a break away from that. And that's what the Fast and Furious franchise is for me. It's a respite. It's if I wake up on a Sunday and I've got a bit of a headache it's time to watch a Fast and Furious film just because it is mindless. That is what I want. And this is a film that is mindless. That's made by clever people who wanted it to be mindless. You know, it's not an accident. You're giving them too much credit. They've No, no, no. They've, they've created this because you can watch many films of mindless action. And it's not entertaining at all. This is trying to be entertaining. You know, Gav says there's no character arc with the rock. No one bought a character ticket to going into Fast and Furious thinking, oh, I wonder what his character will happen. I wonder what what they wanted to see, right, is The Rock drive an ambulance into a Predator drone, right? (laughs) Get out, smash his way through the ambulance, right? Pick a minigun, 
off up the Predator drone and walk off and then fire shoot someone out of the side of a helicopter with that minigun, all right? It's quite, quite a specific one, though, isn't it? Too? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they got to. Oh, <laughs> very, very niche ones. <laughs> but, you know, that's what the audience wants. They don't want some sort of character arc involving his daughter or Dominic or some sort of guff that no one would be interested in. Just some growth would be nice. Some guff that would be just basically a little bit of character arc nonsense that gets you through scene to scene this doesn't bother with it it just flows it just goes and goes and goes so everything that gav just said i would totally agree with and it's an entirely huge plus in a film that is not attempting to do any character arcs it's not attempting to do that what it is attempting to do is entertain its audience with huge popcorn blockbuster fare and the this film and the fifth and the sixth and the, and the eighth one does that better than almost any other uh, action franchise? Uh, any counterpoints, anyone? I would just say it, it's just the same recycled bullshit that they're telling you, Dave. And that is especially, essentially, sorry, what the Fast and Furious is, the same recycled bullshit. <laughs> People keep buying tickets, though, Joe. Why? Why? <laughs> For explosions, it sells. <laughs> it does. It does. I've, I've I've just remembered something as well about the antagonist of the film, right? The, the, the reason, because Alex, you're talking about all this, and you know what 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 you need from a, an action film is a good antagonist. I think a reason for the protagonists to rally against them, and I don't think that Deckard Shaw is a particularly good one. And I think the problem with that lies because the writers and the producers had no idea what the character was really about. They, they didn't know whether he was going to be comedic, serious. Was he going to be active, passive? Was he going to be action heavy? Was he going to be a more, more of an orchestrator? And the reason I think that is because I've read the casting options for this character previously. So obviously Jason Statham was cast. And before they cast him, these were the actors that they had on their list. Chris Pratt, Sam Rockwell, Alec Baldwin, right? It gets weirder now. Steve Carell. Will Farrell, Peter Dinklage, hey. Bill Hader, Ashton <laughs> Peter Kutcher, Dinklage. <laughs> Jack Black, Patton Oswalt. Gav, Gav, you know with auditions, they cast a wide net. Do you know what I mean? That's it's a not, pretty fucking wide net. <laughs> that is a wide net, but it's not indicative. The Rock could just dropkick Peter Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> that That's is... almost like emptying the entire pond. <laughs> <laughs> That, that is a wide net. I mean, that, that sounded like they were going for comedy. Yeah, well, it, I just really think that they don't really, they didn't really know what the, the character was about. And similar with Mr. Nobody, the producers wanted a big name actor for this role. So before Kate Russell was approached, they asked Denzel Washington and he passed. And then they asked Halle Berry and then she passed. And they approached a third actor before <laughs> approaching Kate Russell. Who do you think that was? Which big name do you think that was? I tell you now, it was Taylor Lautner, you know, the wolf boy from Twilight. So more Mr. Anybody than Mr. Nobody, right? <laughs> this, this, my, my, my closing argument for this, Dave, sorry, is that this is the cinematic equivalent of exhibits Pimp My Ride. It's this big, <laughs> flashy, expensive-looking, tasteless mess that's been moulded onto some clapped-out, tired banger that may have been fast and furious in its day, but it's now just slow and sleepy. 
that sounds like an insult that you'd give to like a barmaid from EastEnders or something like that. <laughs> 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 to be honest, I mean, Vin Diesel's character is almost like the cinematic equivalent of Phil Mitchell, <laughs> but yet he can go toe to toe with Deckard Shaw. I never thought about it before, but yeah, yeah, I, I do see, I do see the Mitchell brothers and Jason Statham and Vin Diesel. Uh, has anyone got any closing points? They would like we to make all we I think it's best if we leave it there. I think I think we're so we are done. Okay, well thank you very much, guys. Interesting, interesting trial on Furious Seven. It is Furious Seven, isn't it? It's not like Fast yeah. Seven or Fast and the Furious Seven or No idea. Literally no idea. <laughs> 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 on which note, I have got a quiz to, you know, distract just to clear my mind before I try and sum up the jumbled notes that look like a madman has written them over here. Uh, so this is a quiz I've done all about sevens, because actually I couldn't remember what actually happens in this film, where they go, what they do. Like I said, they all they all form one big furious film for me. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, all, it's a quiz all about sevens in film. Just remember, seven is the theme, and you'll be fine. Uh, question number one. In Disney's The Little Mermaid, Ariel is one of seven daughters of Triton. Why are there seven? Bam. Gavin. Checked around. Se- seven times. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, also, they're to represent the seven seas. They are to represent the seven seas. Well done, Gavin. Although, you know, I can't dispute Joel and Alex's... Besides, and was a shagger. That was the answer. I was Just ask Medusa. <laughs> Question number two. I've been offered a lot for my work, but never everything. Is a quote from what film? Magnificent Seven. Seven. Thank you, Dave. It is the Magnificent Seven. I, 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 I want to get on a train and come and kiss you for saying that on the love <laughs> so much. The Chris Pratt version is, is it? It's not the Chris Pratt <laughs> yeah. version. And you know, if Alex didn't get that, I'd be appalled. Now, now uh, Dave, compare that line to ten million dollars. That's a lot of vaginal activity. It's a different film, Dave. It's a different film. <laughs> Uh, question number three. When you're in love, the barn dance and bless your beautiful hide are songs on the soundtrack to which musical, Gav? Seven Brides of Seven Brothers. It is Seven Brides of Seven Brothers. Well done, Gav. The man knows musicals. True or false, Akira Kurosawa, director of Seven Samurai, is in fact himself descended from a samurai family. True. Ooh. True. I want it to be mm, true. False. Yeah, I really want it to be true. So true. That's a point for everyone apart from Austin, I'm afraid. That is in oh. fact true. Would you believe? Uh, question number five. In which film does Woody Harrelson play Charlie Costello, a dog-loving but psychotic Bam. gangster seeking revenge on those who kidnapped his dog, Gav? Seven Psychopaths. It is Seven Psychopaths. Well done, Gav. You know your sevens. Question number six. The nature reserve of Hovshalla in southern Sweden provided the location for the famous beach scene from which 1957 film? Yeah. It's a point to Alex. It is the seventh seal. Question number seven. Which 1997 film managed to get Brad Pitt and David Thewlis temporarily banned from China Bam. and led to Sony exec Gav? Seven years in Tibet. Just seven years in Tibet. Well, why were they banned? Um, because of the depiction of Chinese soldiers. It wasn't flattering. Uh, uh, right, okay. And it also led to Sony executives who produced the film undertaking an apology tour around China. Wow. Yeah, yeah it did, did not go down well. Question number eight. Marilyn Monroe's dress from the seven-year itch was for years the most expensive dress ever sold at auction until it was surpassed in 2016 by a happy birthday, the JFK dress. How much did the dress from the seven-year itch sell for? Uh, Points for whoever's closest. 1.3 million. So that's 1.3 million from Gav. Five mil. 
Five mil from Joel. Three million. Seven hundred seventy-seven thousand. That point goes to Joel, who was closest. It was four point five million. Wow! Right. And for anyone who's interested, the happy birthday to JFK dress sold for four point eight. Uh, question number nine: According to the Walt Disney World website, how tall do you need to be to be able to ride the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train? Perhaps seven inches. <laughs> 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 seven inches or seven foot <laughs> or seven foot which is it Gavin <laughs> I will take imperial or metric I've got them both written I'm, I'm going to say between seven inches and seven foot okay. <laughs> not below not vague. over I think three foot and six inches that's a three foot six from Aussie Alex two, two foot seven it's a two foot seven Anyone else want to take a more serious guess, Gav, Joel? Seven uh, metres? Seven metres. <laughs> uh, seven foot. Seven foot. Um, I think that goes... What did you say, Alex? You said... What, what's the answer? Did you say 2.7? <laughs> yes. 2.7, yeah. <laughs> Aussie is closer. That's a point Shit. to Aussie. It is 3.2 feet. Oh, wow. Or 97 centimetres. Uh, ironically meaning that the dwarfs couldn't ride it. <laughs> according to celebrity fm states their heights at 82.56 and 91.40 centimeters somewhere Aww. in that bracket so yeah a little bit of irony for you there and finally question number 10 which movie series consisting of seven films contains installments with the subtitles their first assignment back in training citizens on the ball gav police academy police academy oh, brilliant yeah well done uh, assignment at Miami Beach, City Under Siege, and Mission to Moscow. Uh, well done, guys. Everyone managed to get some points on the board there, but I think Gav has walked away with sevens, would you believe? Yeah, Possibly with a well seven, actually. <laughs> so appropriate. I, I'm very happy with that result. Oh, thanks, Steve. That was great. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Uh, I have had no time whatsoever to consider the, my Fast and Furious arguments, which is probably about as much time as the writers put into considering their plot points, to be honest with you. Um, it sounds like a bit of a mess, to be perfectly blunt. I mean, I I did watch them all. It's not like, you know, when I say I didn't enjoy them, I did end up watching all eight Fast and the Furious films that were available and in pretty quick succession. So I understand what Alex is saying when he talks about them as a kind of escapism. I get it. I do. And I understand what they say when, you know, the audience, you know, by this point, by fa- Fast 7, Furious 7, whatever the hell it is, you're under no illusion as about what you're going to get. You're not going to get character development. You are not going to get nuance or subtlety. You're not going to get realism. And I think the audience went into this with their eyes wide open. And in that respect, part of me thinks this should be a hit film because it's delivered to its audience exactly what it promised to. But then I start thinking about the quality of what it is they've actually delivered. Gav said, you know, it is poorly written. And there was kind of agreement from the from the defense that it is indeed poorly written the acting is poor vin diesel is a charisma vacuum which i think is just unnecessarily cruel gav but i can't deny it no (laughs) character growth unresolved plot points um you know even decent actors get dragged down by the poor performances of their co-stars there are no consequences and i did i did agree with ozzy's point that he said that's just old school action for you you know Back in the 80s, and you could be a police officer and destroy half a city block pursuing a criminal, and there were no comeuppances for you. You know, there was not even any paperwork to fill in. So I understand the old school action argument there. 
a lot of it makes sense, and I, I do feel harsh on the film, but then there's other things like a tech MacGuffin. That is just lazy script writing, you know, not even having a decent plot point. Having a villain's motive not even, like, fully explored, it's just like it's revenge, and uh, that, that's it, it's revenge. Tony Jar being wasted, uh, poor music, uh, and, and the fact that Gav was saying it seems like a rushed project because they only brought James Wan in because the director of Fast and the Furious 6 was still working on Fast and the Furious 6, and that wasn't quick enough, so the studio sacked him off and brought someone else in just to churn the film out that bit faster. These are these are damning points, and I think the final point that really did it for me, you know, even though I will say just quickly to, to, to detour one second, Paul Walker's death, we all agreed, was very well handled by the film. And they do deserve some credit for actually turning this into a poignant tribute to him, because, you know, whether well, I don't know how proud he was of these films, but he, these are what he's known for. And I guess he was proud of them in the end. You know, it brought him a new level of fame. So I am pleased that they, they got that nailed in the end. But like Ozzy said, it's a macho, stupid lads film. And that doesn't say it's hitless material to me. But then I don't think it should be shitless material either. This one is honestly teetering on the brink between hit and shit. And I think ultimately it's just leaning on the shit. Oh. There is a real... You, you, you teased with everyone's heart on that yeah, one. Jesus Christ. There's, there's a real regret. That's the, 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 the script writers of Fast and the Furious 7 could learn a thing or two from me there. This is how you keep <laughs> people engaged and on the edge of their seat. Uh, yeah, I feel harsh doing it because it's delivered what it said it would, but it doesn't mean that it's actually well done when you break it down into its parts. I think it is a poorly made film, even if it is successful. So with regret, and it is with genuine regret, it's going on the shit list. Wow. 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 Damning stuff, <laughs> but very well summarized. Thanks, Dave. So genuine opinions. Let's start with... Ozzy. It it's exactly what it says on the tin. I didn't lie in any way. It's just a mad action film, and it's just it's very much a a big action film. It's easy to watch. It's not gonna win. It's not winning awards. Let's be honest. It's and and I think it's so well thought of because the people who have enjoyed the previous six and really liked um, Paul Walker saw this as a great homage to him. You know, it's a very nice send off. It's a good action film. But it's not, it's not a good film. I probably would have put it on the hit list, even if it's not really my cup of tea. It's an easy one to put put on and just go, "Fuck, that's mad, isn't it?" And have a laugh and a joke. Thanks, Ozzy. Uh, Joel, um, I think films have moved on a bit now. Like, I think if you compare to like, you know, even something like John Wick, where the the plot isn't like massively heavy, but there's enough there for you to like, you know, get behind, and there's genuine peril in in a lot of the scenes and that type of thing. Like, I feel like when I watched it for the first time, this, because I saw it when it came out, I really enjoyed it. But I probably enjoyed it, like, because it was so ridiculous. But when I watched it again for this, I was just kind of scoffing most of the time. And, yeah, like, the funny the funny thing is, with Fast and the Furious, Vin Diesel is probably, like, one of the worst characters in it, but he just won't let himself go. Um, So I, I think it's on the right list by today's standards. But I think if we'd have done this, like, when it came out, I'd have said it was a hit film. Thanks, Joel. So I was being pretty genuine throughout. I didn't like it, to be honest. I, I really liked uh, Fast and the Furious 5. And I think maybe my downfall was watching Fast and the Furious 1 quite recently. It was almost like I watched it back to back as a comparison. And in the first one, 
Dominic Toretto is just some bloke, you know, who likes racing cars. And in this one, he's like fucking Superman. It's, it's, <laughs> it is jarring. The whole film, I was watching it with Alex and I was just like, I kept on saying like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> what is going on? Why are these, why are these people getting involved in this super secret government agency espionage stuff? They're just a bunch of like mechanics and street racers. Why are they just allowed to just blow up tanks and cars willy-nilly across the city and there's no repercussions? The police aren't even after them. It was just ridiculous. And what I was doing was I just I was hugging Gav tightly and just saying, shh. <laughs> <laughs> then, oh. Turn that little thinking box off and just, <laughs> just I, let's go with it. I, I loved it as well because the whole thing, this MacGuffin is God's eye, basically, and it, it allows you to find anybody in the world. And <laughs> basically... Dom and Shaw are about to go one-to-one. Mr. Nobody pitches up, handsomely played by Kate Russell, I might add. And he scares Shaw away and he says, if you get this God's eye thing for me, I'll find Shaw for you. But then throughout the film, Jason Statham just keeps on pitching up. So it's almost like, well, don't bother going after this God's eye material. Just sit around in your house and wait for him to arrive. (laughs) He wants to kill you. But um, yeah, I, I also think as well, another thing, uh, this is my final point, I'm sorry. I always see like this meme going around and it's always like uh, girls crying at cinema and it'll be like a scene from, I don't know, The Lion King or Bambi or The Notebook, something emotional, something that you would cry over. And then it'd be like guys crying at, in the cinema and it's that clip at the end of uh, Brian and Dom going separate journeys because that was his goodbye. And I was expecting that to be really emotional and like a, a good, like, and it is done really well, but it's just not as emotional as I thought it would have been. I, I don't know whether that's because when they came to film in that part, obviously Paul Walker had passed and they couldn't kind of write anything into the script about that. But it just, I don't know, it felt a bit underwhelming for me. And um, I don't know if anybody else thought that. Alex, what, what were your genuine opinions? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't enjoy it as when I first watched it. I think the the Fast and Furious films are maybe best watched the first time around. So, you know, that it's on the shit list, you know, I can get, I think it's probably the right place. I would maybe put it on the hit list because I think just as an action film, it ticks all the boxes. So I think for me, it does what I need it to be. But, you know, objectively, yeah, it's not a good film. Um, so I'm not too bothered it's on the shit list. Uh, but I do think, I don't know, it just, it has quite a good little, it has quite a good heart, I think. And there's something I just quite like about it, I think. So, yeah, I think it's pride of place on the shit list, I sort of think, is the right place for The Fast and Furious. And I think what I didn't enjoy as much about it is Tyrese Gibson. I really, really couldn't stand Tyrese Gibson in this. I really don't like his comments. And, you know, like, he's the thing that makes that macho nuts zoo bravado tip over you know you've got the rock who plays that perfectly do you know what i mean that kind of like over testosterone stuff he does it really well vin diesel's just ridiculous in it you know uh tyrese gibson's little bits and asides and his little vamping bits i found very uncomfortable actually and i didn't enjoy them at all and uh that took away from my normal my normal enjoyment of it just like, oh it's a bit of fun crack it on I actually found those bits a bit like mm, this is this isn't as fun as I remember it. So no, I, I I do enjoy them. I will watch it again and I will have a great time watching it. But is it a shit film? It's entirely possible. I don't know. I'm probably a bit too close to tell. So just just edging its way into the shit list mm-hmm. might have been the right call, man. It's like if this was a real trial, this would be like a suspended sentence. 
It's like, you yes. did it, yeah. but I understand I why you did it. But I'm going to get it out on bail very soon and watch it again. But maybe not Tyrese Gibson's character. I might just skip those bits. They're, they're really painful. The bit, the bit, especially when he's in the Abu Dhabi and he's just got these little bits where they're obviously just like, hey, just point the camera at Tyrese and let him say what he wants. Oh God, they're. Uh, I don't know what. I don't know what ended up on the cutting room floor, but they are pretty cringeworthy to watch now. So yeah, yeah. What didn't it's, make it in? It's like he's like a walking, talking sexual harassment suit. <laughs> <laughs> no. So Harold Lower then our previous film on trial, which was Lord of the Rings Three: The Return of the King, which scored ninety three percent and eighty six percent critical and audience scores respectively, on Rotten Tomatoes. Please be lower. I think maybe higher because it's the seventh and it's the Paul Walker one. Yeah. I think higher. It, it's, I, don't th- I think it might be a little bit lower, but I don't think it's going to be a lot lower. I think critical must be lower, surely. Yeah, it's got to be lower. Audience may be as closer than we want to admit. Sometimes the critics love this big blockbuster fair, though. Do you know what I mean? They don't want to be looking like, you know, Debbie Downers, do they? So it's, no, it's, you know, it's true. Nobody, Roger Ebert likes some questionable action films. Yeah, really yeah. Nobody really likes Fast and Furious. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows hey, well, what this so is. So you're all sort of right. 81% critical, so that's lower. And 82% way higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> and 82% audience, so not that wow. far off. Right, so I found out a very interesting link between these two films that we didn't know about. Right, one of the characters from Fast and Furious 7 auditioned for a role in Lord of the Rings. Who auditioned for what role? Vin Diesel for Gandalf. The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock. Any other guesses there? Um, oh no, Statham. Statham for what? Ag- Aragorn? Or Aragorn, yeah, <laughs> maybe. Or well, the well, old you, you, Kurt, Kurt can, you imagine, can you imagine Statham as Frodo? <laughs> Did Kurt Russell audition to be the Mad King on the White Tower? Oh, I, 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 I would have paid to see that, but you've all sort of touched upon it uh it's basically aragorn the character was <laughs> vin diesel vin diesel oh. <laughs> you did it <laughs> to play aragorn anyway um right that's it the trial is over just want to say thank you very much for all your arguments and for your judging dave thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode we really appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to us babble on about films if you want more films on trial content go on filmsontrial.co.uk. Sorry, Siobhan has just kicked off massively downstairs. And I think one of my cats has probably eaten a cake that Dave brought around for me before. <laughs> anyway, oh, no. uh, right, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, why not follow us on all the social medias, at Film Trials on Twitter and Films on Trial on everything else. So we're going to be back in your ears in two weeks' time to finish off our blockbuster season when we put the 2021 smash hit Top Gun Maverick on trial. But in the meantime, what have we learned today? Well, we've learned that Vin Diesel just can't let it go and that the Seven Dwarfs can't even go on their own ride at Disneyland. (laughs) Uh, Also, that's... Fast and Furious 7 is on the shit list and we're going to be back in your ears in two weeks time with Top Gun Maverick goodbye isn't yeah. it L- ludicrous and Tyrese Gibson in space yeah 
in a in a car yep, that they've used like duct tape to seal up the air gaps. Uh, yep, 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 yep. For no reason That's, at all. I just, I just would have liked, you know, just a moment of realism where it's like, I wonder how they're getting on, just these frozen horses <laughs> going around forever in orbit around the earth. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, just like little splinters of metal just flying, flying through, <laughs> flying, red mist flying through the air. Or just right, like yeah. as it burns up on re-entry, you know, Vin Diesel and his daughter just like, there they go, there go your uncles. <laughs> 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 Raising a Corona to them. <laughs>